Hello, everyone. Welcome to To Be Heard Podcast, your weekly faith-filled and motivational podcast where listeners are encouraged, culture is challenged, and the truth can be heard. My name is Ayana Simone, and I want to wish all of you listening today a very happy first To Be Heard Tuesday of this last month of March, y'all. We are officially here. The countdown is still continuing, but we are slowly but surely coming to an end of this fourth season. Every season of To Be Heard podcast runs through the month of October all the way through the month of March. And so we have maybe like four episodes left, y'all, and I am grieving. I don't know about you guys, but every time we hit the end, I'm like, now I don't know what I'm going to do with myself because for six months, my whole world is podcasting. Now, granted, in the spring and summer months of each year, I'm, of course, playing for the next season which uh season five is already on and popping y'all like I've been planning and preparing and I'm so ready so ready for y'all to hear season five episodes but that of course isn't until October of this year um so while we are still in season four there's still so much that needs to be heard and y'all believe you me okay this last month of the podcast though it is the end it is jam-packed with so many fun episodes for so many different reasons, y'all. I'm so excited. I cannot wait for you to hear the episodes to come. Uh, Granted, if you want to hear what those episodes sound like in advance, you're going to have to sign up to become a member over on my website at ayanasimone.com slash members. I have a nice handful of surprises for y'all as we uh, come to an end of season four, and I just want you to be a part of it all. So you'll see a little bit of what I mean as early as tomorrow's newsletter. So if you want to be in the loop of what To Be Heard podcast sounds like for these remaining four To Be Heard Tuesdays, be sure to head on over to my website at ayanasimone.com slash members. Get yourself signed up, customize and create your own membership profile and stay tuned for so many fun things on its way. But to kick us off in this final month of season four, um, today's episode is going to be uh, very special for me to record. I've actually been wanting to record this episode for quite some time. Um, th- today's episode actually was supposed to be last week's episode, but uh, considering that we just experienced revival in the United States, I'm like, let me just talk about Nineveh right quick, because that was a really cool revival that we've all studied together last week in the Bible. Um, we studied the story of a man named Jonah, who, you know, his story is very unique, very interesting. Uh, homeboy spent the night in a fish, okay, like, had a little sleepover under seas, and uh, while it seems silly on the surface, we actually found out that that is a, a cool picture of the gospel. Now, that sounds crazy to say that now. If you didn't listen to the episode, you're like, that's a reach, like, what do you mean? If you want to find out what I mean, go back to last week's To Be Heard Tuesday and press play. Let's study the book of Jonah together. Again, a really cool revival happened in Nineveh, but it speaks so much to self-esteem and God's heart for you. And um, there are so many life lessons in Jonah that you know, it's amazing because as a kid, you just think, oh, it's a guy, a story of a guy and a whale. And then it's like, oh, in your young adult life, if you're a young adult like me, even in your adult life, you know, it means so much more. Just the depth of that book is crazy, y'all. And I was listening back to it. I was like, I didn't even get to say that part too. Like, there's just so much more to say. And that was like an hour long episode. So that's the best part about the Bible. You think you're just getting a little something sweet from Jesus, you know, a little something, something. And then it turns out, like he's reading your whole life and giving you the best insight and the best perspective of how to move forward. It is just, oh, this book makes me want to cry. I'm so thankful for the way that God communicates to all of us through his scriptures and more and more every single day in my life. People used to tell me this as a kid. I grew up in church and I didn't really believe them, but it's been said to me before that the Bible is like God's love letter, just of his heart. Like he has the biggest heart for people. It's insane. And when I read it, it's just like, I I mean, I get so much revelation just about how God feels about the world, like how he really feels about each of us. And he really is in love. Like, it's not just something we say like, oh, Jesus loves you. Like, no, legit. Like, he really, really does. And just to read more about him and 
um, taking his words and applying it to my life and seeing the fruit of it. It's just a beautiful exchange. Like, I feel like praising Jesus right now. Like, thank you, Lord. Because it's just, I don't know. I didn't mean to say any of that, but when in Rome. Anyhow, um, last week we talked about, again, a prophet. His name was Jonah. For today's To Be Heard Tuesday, which was supposed to be last week's To Be Heard Tuesday, but for today's episode, we are going to talk about another prophet. Um, this prophet is someone who I, I've i always kind of, um, I don't know, I would graze over the book a little bit. It was supposed to be like, you know, you want to talk about the Bible being a love letter. Um, I thought, you know, Song of Songs, of course, that's like the highlighted love letter. It's a lot of uh, interesting things in that book. But uh, when I think about a, a specific bi- or a book of the Bible that sounds like a love letter to me, I would always think about the book of Hosea and I would never really know why, but I just knew like it just sounds like a a lovey-dovey book and I've always considered the book of Hosea to be that. Uh, But it wasn't until this was back last year, uh, I would say, yeah, 2022, I was sick in bed with Rona, y'all, not a fun time and literally could do nothing but read, which honestly, I'm not trying to make light of COVID or anything, but um, when I did have COVID and all I could do was sit and read, it was kind of a blessing because I just, sometimes I go, 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 and I never sit with myself. So that was like a cool moment for me. And, um, thanks to my handy dandy library card and the Libby app, this episode is not sponsored, but the Libby app, y'all, are you kidding me? The whole library at your fingertips on your phone, like God bless, you know? So uh, at that point, my library card was renewed. I was reading, um, this book on the Libby app, uh, Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, which if you know that book, some people love it and some people hate it, which I don't understand. I do not understand. Every time I feel like I'm going to get like criticism on my pieces of work, I'm like, if Francine Rivers gets criticism, then certainly I will too, because Francine Rivers is that girl. I love her so much. She's an amazing author. And she wrote this book called Redeeming Love, inspired by the book of Hosea. And if you read it, you guys, it is you want to talk about love letter oh my goodness it helped me understand the love of God so much better just by the way the character Michael Hosea in the book pursued this woman who was just not even worth his time and yet he loved her and I'm like I'm the woman not worth God's time it's just a a beautiful love story and um she said it was inspired by the book of Hosea which is real cute. And I love that. The only problem though, is that I also read the book of Hosea and I'm like, girl, how did you get this beautiful love story from Hosea? Like, I know the book is like lovey dovey in some ways. It talks about relationship and we're going to study that today, but just the depth that she went with this book, I'm like, there's no way you got this from Hosea. Cause when I read Hosea y'all, And you might have, if you graze over it, you're going to see prostitute. You're going to see some really graphic language. Like you're going to see and read some very non-glittery rainbows and unicorns. Like you're not going to see this happy-go-lucky book. It's, It's real. It's deep. It goes there. And yes, it does feature a relationship, which again, we are going to talk about today. But the way that Francine Rivers like broke it down in her book of Redeeming Love, I wanted to see what she sees, you know, and I do that a lot with an author or a director, um, whoever, whatever creative person. I, it, I love creative people and I just learn from them. I study them, especially when they're Christian, like when they're faith filled, creative people. I love to get in their mind, like, where did you get this from the Bible? Like, I, and I'm going completely off script, but I'm just talking now. It's comfy cozy last month. Let's just, you know, let's just chit chat. But I am thinking about The Chosen, y'all, with Dallas Jenkins as the director. Season one of The Chosen still has me messed up. I'm not done crying yet. Like, it is so good. And I often wonder, like, Dallas, what do you see in Jesus that we haven't seen? <laughs> because the way that Jesus is portrayed in The Chosen, I will never forget. I owe many things to Dallas Jenkins for uh, directing The Chosen because it has helped me in my walk. Like it helped me see Jesus as gentle and loving and humble and not this uh, dictator in my life that hates my guts and hates when I, you know, mess up and hates me when I mess up. You know, like he's actually understanding and he's patient and he draws near to me in my mess. He doesn't draw away from me. Like, 
the chosen helped me realize all of that and again so thankful for dallas for that thankful for francine rivers for how she's helped me you know see how much god loves me and just like i love when creative people are able to do that and i want to be one of those people that helps others like through my art through my work i want to convey the love of god so freaking well y'all like that is my life's mission that is why i'm here and i don't i did not mean to say any of that but maybe this is for me to go back and listen to when I'm discouraged because I'm telling y'all like that is the mission that's the goal and I just admire people who are already in that space doing that but anyway going back to my notes let's talk about the book of Hosea because uh Francine Rivers was so deeply inspired by it and she wrote literally a kick butt novel on it redeeming love again this episode isn't sponsored but I would love if it was Francine Rivers call me um but I just didn't get it. I'm like, man, if she is getting this revelation from Hosea, I want my own revelation of Hosea. And so as a result, you know, I did what needed to be done. I picked up my Bible, went straight to the book of Hosea. And um, I'm so, so glad I did, you guys, because that is going to be the vocal point of our study for today's To Be Heard Tuesday. Um, and I'm not just happy that I, I read the book of Hosea to get an episode out of it. I really had no intention of making an episode about this, but Um, I'm glad I studied the book of Hosea because I studied it at the right time in my life, you guys. Um, I was praying before this episode, like, God, how much should I let people in? Because, you know, like, I love being honest and open with y'all, but some things I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna save it for my mentor, you know? So I was praying, I'm like, God, how much should I reveal of, like, what I was walking through when I came across this book and wanted to study Hosea? And so I'll just give you a little spark notes version of what I was going through at the time. Um, but while I was or before I was studying Hosea, before I decided to do a deep dive on this book, on this prophet, um, I realized I had a really um, interesting moment in prayer um, going through something really, really difficult. I realized that in a lot of ways I was I was not. Um, I was devoted to God, yes, but I wasn't devoted with my whole heart. And there is a phrase that was used. I, I brought up First Kings um, a couple episodes um, uh, this half of this fourth season. I can't remember what episode it was. It might have been Who Do You Love? Um, but I brought up First Kings because I was in that book at that time. And when I was reading First Kings, I came across this phrase over and over again wholehearted devotion. Uh, Solomon was building this beautiful uh, temple for the Lord. And he just said that word over and over again in his prayer, wholehearted devotion. And when I read that term, especially when it was over and over again, I just started to feel very convicted because, and I was very honest with myself. I was honest before God. And I'm like, I don't know if my whole heart is devoted to you. Like I might be half a heart or maybe even three-fourths of my heart, but to say my whole heart, God, if I'm being honest, my own examination of myself, I can't say that I, my whole heart is devoted to you because something else had my heart and I knew what it was and I did not want to give it up at all, at all, not in the slightest. And to this day, you know, still walking through that and grieving it, but something else had my heart and I knew that. And so I was telling God, like, all right, how do I, like, how do I say sorry? How do I uh, turn from this? And how do I give you my whole heart, Lord? Like, what does that look like? Because I want to be faithful to you. I don't want to be one of those, like, I'm in, then I'm out sort of people. And it's real subtle, too. Like, if you looked at my life, you wouldn't guess that. But I knew in my heart, like, I'm saying, yes, God, have everything but this thing. Like, please don't take this thing from me. And um, so I came face to face with that in this conversation I had with the Lord. And so I was using phrases like the word, you know, God, our relationship, our friendship. I was using phrases like that. And I'm like, what's a good book for me to study um, to, uh, you know, dive deep into how I can better my relationship with God. And now, granted, for those of you praying that prayer, um, I had a mentor tell me literally recently, 
she was like you need to change that prayer of like god how can we better our relationship she's like just receive his love like that's how the relationship gets better when you are more aware of his love and that's so true because we love him we love people because he first loved us so if you don't receive his love you're gonna have a hard time loving people loving god and loving yourself so you gotta receive his love but at the time i was praying this like god what on my end of the relationship what can i do i want to give you everything i don't want to give this thing up but god i love you more than anything so just have this thing um but what book can i study for that and so you know the two worlds crossed i wanted to study it with uh you know because of francine rivers and then what i was going through at the time i'm like okay yeah this book of hosea is the book for me i'm gonna study it so i did and in a lot of ways and i'll just give you like the a summary for now and then we'll get into our deep dive but um, I recognized how much of this phrase, this term, wholehearted devotion, is frowned on by a lot of people. And by people, I am talking largely about the church, but even I could, I guess I could say secular people too. But uh, I'm highlighting the church because um, a lot of times when we say wholehearted devotion, like we all know what that means. And it's so hard to confess that you haven't been devoted to God with your whole heart. And it's especially hard to like make that change because it's one thing to repent like, God, I'm so sorry I didn't serve you with all my heart. But, you know, because we are commanded to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. But I feel like it's frowned upon because we have such a poor view of God. And I know this was true for me. Like my view of God was very like he was just a dictator and he was a bully. He was very controlling. Um. And when I would read verses like wholehearted devotion and love God with all your heart, especially when that's like the first, the most important commandment, I'm like, that's kind of arrogant. Like your most important, uh, important command is to love you with all your heart. Like that's, that's really arrogant in my opinion. But then I realized, you know, if we're looking at our relationship with God as a relationship, there is not a single person in the world. If you're healthy and whole and sane, there's not a single person in the world who would tolerate um, half-hearted devotion. Like I'm thinking about this in the context of marriage. Like if I'm using that as a picture, if I'm married to somebody, okay, which has so much desire, <laughs> but if I'm married to somebody and they are like, this man is actively dating and seeing other women and then he comes back to me like, oh, but I love you. Like, you're my my main my main one, you know, forget about my side chicks. Like, yeah, sure, I have a couple, but like, you're the main one. I love you. I would be like, boy, if you don't get up out of my house, like, what are you talking about? That's not love at all. And same, like, you think about yourself. And again, you have to be like a uh, strong, you have to have a, a pretty good self-esteem to admit this. But you also wouldn't want your man or your woman just out in the streets with everybody and their mother, like, doing the deed and then come back to you like, yeah, but I love you. No, ma'am. No, sir. Absolutely not. No one wants half-hearted devotion. But it's so funny because when we, when God says, yeah, I want your whole heart, we're like, mm, that's a lot. He's religious. He's controlling. It's like, no, like, anyone in their right mind would not want their partner to have to, to be with them half-heartedly. That's not love at all. That sounds like obligation. That sounds, it's giving like unhealthy relationships. Like what the heck? So I, I wanted to bring that up too, because as we talk about being devoted to God and, um, you know, just talking about our relationship with him, understand that what God is asking for, that we do serve him with our whole heart. We love him with our whole heart. We say yes to him with our whole, whole heart. That's not him being, you know, uh, a dictator or, you know, like some tyrant. It's not him being controlling. That's him being a loving father. Like, yeah, I want all of you and I want you to have all of me. And no, I don't want you to have side chicks. Like, I don't want you to have multiple boyfriends and girlfriends and little things on the side. Like, let us have a healthy relationship. Like, give me your whole heart. I'll give you my whole heart. That's how healthy relationships run and thrive. And I think if you're sane, you would agree with that. 
And so that's why I'm so glad I studied the book of Hosea, because we're going to briefly talk about a woman who did have a lot of men on the side. And it's a picture that God is drawing for us, but we're going to study it together. Um, How about I just read it? And then that way we'll just dive into it. Um, I'll give you the context and you all know how we do. I'm going to read it. I'll give you the context and then we'll dive in together. And my prayer is that this episode of To Be Her podcast would change your life. It would change your heart. Um, I was telling God before I started recording, like, I didn't even mean for this to be an episode, but it helped me so much in my walk. I'm still very, very much challenged by it today and um, for reasons I'll explain at the end. But um, I mean, I didn't mean for this to become an episode like this was just for me. I studied this for myself. And so I just pray that now that I am bringing it to the podcast, that you would be so blessed by this and that the depth uh, of where this book is going to take us would actually change your heart. It would change your life and it would help you to say yes to Jesus with your whole heart. Because when you do say yes to him, it is a dream come true. Life with Jesus is literally a dream come true. And I just I want this to challenge you. I want it to encourage you, but it is the truth. So buckle in. Um, I'm going to start with Hosea chapter one, starting with that very first verse, excuse me, Hosea chapter one, starting in that very first verse. And then I'm going to read all the way down to verse nine, which says, the Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. I know for sure I butchered all those names. That's okay. Verse two, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, that's what prophets do. They bring the word of the Lord. So God uses a person to bring the message. So when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I'm about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Verse 6. Soon Gomer, the prostitute, became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah, not loved, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. Verse 7. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. Verse 8. After Gomer had weaned Lo-Rahumah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami, not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. Okay, my friends, there's a couple things here. That we must discuss, as you can tell, this book is like, oh, this is, what is this? Like a lot of, um, you know, not loved and prostitute. Like, what are we doing here? Let's break it down together, okay? Because this is very, very important that um, I make this clear as we study the book of Hosea. Um, the verse in verse two already made it clear, but I just want to uh, bring it out and highlight highlight it a little bit more just so that we are all on the same page and we understand exactly what we're reading. Um, but to give you context, let me read verse two again. It says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So the reason why I reread that is because this is a picture like God is using this actual prophet whose name is Hosea. God tells his prophet, go and marry a prostitute, which we all know 
um, this woman, this prostitute, this means that she is not going to be faithful to her husband. She's a prostitute. What she does for a living is go out and sleep with a bunch of other people. And then the fact that she's married now, though, she's a wife, she's going to come back to her husband. So understand the role of a prostitute. She is simply an unfaithful woman. She's not committed to just one man. What she does for a living, she goes out, she sleeps with other people. Um, but now that she's a wife, we have to assume, you know, that she she comes back to Hosea. So she goes out, does what she does with whoever it is she does it with at any time of day, any time of night, whatever, comes back because she's now a wife. So this is a picture that God clearly says in the second verse. He says, this will illustrate. So again, this is a picture that God is drawing for us. This will illustrate how Israel, which is the people of God, we studied uh, the dynamic of or the relationship dynamic between the Israelites and God. Um, essentially, long ago in Genesis, God uh, promised Abraham he would have many descendants as the stars in the sky. And that came to be true um, because Abraham's descendants were then called the Israelites. So for generation after generation, Israel that has always been God's people. God's promise has always been with Israel. So um, that's important to note as I read this. Again, he says, this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Now, I love how God used this analogy. I love how he draws it back to marriage because, again, he's saying his people, the Israelites, they're acting like a prostitute. Like God is saying in my relationship with the Israelites, um, again, this is just a picture that God is drawing. He's like, imagine if like Israel had a husband, that I was Israel's husband. I love my people. I provide for my people. I give them everything that they need. I care for my people. I protect my people. I lavish my love on my people. God's like, imagine me being a good husband to my people, Israel. But Israel, like a prostitute, again, it's all spelled out in verse two. Israel, like a prostitute, is turning away from God, from their husband that loves them, that cares for them, protects them, provides for them, turning away from a good husband, and instead going to little g gods, idols, gods who can't provide for them, gods who can't protect them, gods who didn't even make them. Some of those gods can't even speak, think, act, breathe. Like these dead gods. Israel's like, yeah, I know that God like literally gives us everything we need and enriches our lives with good things because God loves us so much and he loves to give us good things. Like, yeah, sure, that's great and everything, but I want this God who can't even hear me, this God who didn't make me, can't really provide for me the way that God can. I'm going to choose that God instead. God, that is the picture that God is painting. Like, I'm a good, faithful husband to you. And yet you are out here like some prostitute giving your bodies, giving your hearts, your minds, your, you know, I may have a little piece of your heart, but you're giving the rest of that heart to gods who care nothing about you, who don't give a lick about who you are. Like, I want you to get that in your mind. And I had to slow down and study that myself. Like, okay, I understand that dynamic. And when you understand like how much God loves them, we can understand the anger that God might've felt like, man, I love and care for you so much. And you're going to choose someone who cannot love you the way I can love you. And I know for sure, like, I felt that way before. Sometimes like people in your life, they choose something else. And it's like, but like, I gave you that and more like, what, why would you choose something who can't even give you a fraction of what I gave you? So I understand God, uh, not just in his anger, but in his love, like, like the fact that he's angry is because he loves his people so much. And he's he's giving us this visual of like my people who I love and care for are choosing into things that aren't of me. And I'm the one who is giving them the world. Like I'm giving them life. I'm giving them love. I'm protecting them. I'm caring for them. Everything that they need, I provide. And yet they're choosing someone else. Like I, I'm staying there for a little bit because I want you to understand uh, that for the next thing we discuss, okay, because nearing the end of what I read, again, I just read the first nine verses of Hosea 1, as we got closer to the end of what we read, y'all, we ran into some very scary verses, okay, that I want to reread in case you missed it. You probably didn't because there's some scary stuff we read on the surface, seemingly scary. Um, but let me pick up again and just reread verses 6 through 9. It says, soon Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. 
And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lo Ruamah, I believe. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. Verse 8. After Gomer had weaned Lo Ramah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said in verse 9, Name him Loami, not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. We have to dive into this, okay? Because I know, without a shadow of a doubt, as someone who wrestles with insecurity, sometimes low self-esteem, already has a hard time picturing God as this loving, kind, gentle God, Reading verses six through nine, I'm like, okay, what on God's green earth am I supposed to do with this? Because here I have God saying, call my people not loved. And here I read God saying, these people are my people. I'm like, God, how am I supposed to like preach you as good and loving? If verses like this exist, like what do I, what do I do with this? How does this pertain to my life? Like, are you saying you don't love me? Cause I know for sure I've been acting wild in these streets sometimes. Like, does that mean you don't love me? And like, you know, you know how it can get y'all. You feel that guilt and you feel like you can't approach God and it's better to just like let him cool off. Don't read your Bible, you know, because God's probably so upset with you. I, that was what I was sensing. I'm like, man, you must be ticked at me if you're called your people and not loved and not your people. But then I slowed down. I studied it because that's what you have to do every time you study the Bible. Don't just read it. You got to slow down and study it and eat it and just sleep on it. It's, it's so good. And you'll get these amazing little whispers from Holy Spirit as you study. This is the best place to hear from God. So I slowed down. I studied because I'm like, surely that can't be what you're saying. Because I believe in a lot of ways that you are loving. But these verses trip me up. Like, let me uh, like clarify this for me because I know that you you don't contradict yourself. So clarify this for me. Thankfully, God did. So I want to uh, take it back a little bit. Let's uh, take a look. And I know we're jumping everywhere, but just let's go back to verse three. It says, so Hosea, the prophet, married Gomer, the prostitute, the daughter of Diblam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. It's so important that we take a careful look. It seems like a minor, tiny little detail, but this changes the whole study from God said he doesn't love his people to the truth, that he is so loving. Because again, it says she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And we read in the following verses that Hosea's son is named Jezreel. It's important that we slow down and, and study the names of these, these children. Okay, we got to study these kids. Because Hosea's son, Jezreel, that name means God plants. And it's so important that we take a look at these definitions. And y'all, if you know anything about me, I'm all about names. If you were a part of the My Name is Anxiety book club, the whole book is inspired by names. And you got to read the book to know what I mean. But this is another example of that. So Jezreel, Hosea's son, Gomer's son, the two, the son they had together, his name is Jezreel. And that means God plants. And we're going to see why that's so significant towards the end of this episode. But just put a pin in that. Hosea's son, his name means God plants. If we take a look, and again, we just read verses six through nine, right? The names that go, the, the, Gomer had two kids after Jezreel. At least this is what we, we read in the text. You could have had more, but we're just going to study the two kids that are mentioned in the text. So Gomer and Hosea had a son, Jezreel. But Gomer has a son, one, um, she's to name it Lo-Rama, which means not loved. And uh, the do- their son that she has, so the daughter's name is Lo-Rama, not loved. The son that she has is named Loami, which means not my people. I thought, when I was studying the book of Hosea, I thought, okay, weird, because God is calling Hosea's son, the prophet's son, God is calling them not loved and not my people. But if we slow down, it never says in Hosea chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, that the daughter and the son that Gomer had after Jezreel was born, was born, it never says 
that Loami and Lurama, whatever that child's name is, I'm mispronouncing it each time, it never says that the other daughter and son that Gomer had were Hosea's children. Because again, Gomer, our friend Gomer, is a whole prostitute. So we have to assume that just because she's she got married doesn't mean she stopped her occupation. Never once did it says, oh, she cleaned up her act when she got married. No, she was still a prostitute. So yeah, she gave Hosea a son, which is very clearly spelled out in verse 3. But if you take a careful look at verses 6 through 9, it doesn't say that those were Hosea's kids. It said that Gomer was pregnant with them and gave birth to them. But it doesn't say that those were Hosea's kids. Huge. That is huge to note. Because this whole time, and again, understanding that this is a picture. This is the picture that God is drawing uh, for how God's relationship is with Israel. Because in the story, Israel, his people are acting like prostitutes. So with that in mind, when God calls Gomer's kids unloved, not loved, and not my people, what God is saying, like, my Israelites, when they go out and they conceive not in marriage, not in the safety and in the beauty of our relationship, but they go out and they give birth to something that I did not put in them, that I did not plant in them. That means something, which you probably already know where that comes from. But God is like, I didn't plant that in them. And they're giving birth to things that I did not give them to birth. And so therefore, because, and again, this is just a metaphor. It really is a picture. God said it's an illustration because it's a picture of that. God's like to Israel, you're giving birth to things that I didn't give you to birth. Like you are conceiving in prostitution These things that you're agreeing to, saying yes to, abiding by, complying to, I did not give that to you. And so therefore, what you're giving birth to, those ain't my kids. It's an illustration, remember that. But those are not my kids. Like, I'm not going to show love to kids that aren't mine. And if you think that's harsh, if you think that's like, whoa, God, what do you mean? Just consider it in its illustration. Like if you're a woman, uh, again, all the guys listening to this, but the girls too, because it's all a metaphor. This is just the uh, principle that we're applying to our lives, to our faith journeys. But if we think about that as who we are as humans, like if I found out, oh, heavens to Betsy, I'm about, like, I could, <laughs> I could just like, I feel I'm angry. I'm single as ever and angry just thinking about this. If I find out, y'all, that my man comes back and he tells me he got some other woman pregnant, I would be like, okay, that's, that's not my kid. Like, I don't feel obligated to tend to that kid, to provide for that kid, to show my love to that kid because it's not mine. And it's a direct result of how my husband sinned against me. So no, like that is not my kid. Like, let's just play Mari for a second. Like, that's not my child. So I would not feel any tied to that kid. I'd be like that, like you did this while married and I don't claim that kid because that was outside of our marriage. That was outside of our relationship. You was out there being a little whatever. Like there's some words I could say, but kids listen to my podcast. so I got to keep it clean. But like, I'm just thinking to myself, if I were in that position, yeah, keep your kid. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not scheduling the doctor appointment. Nothing. Nope. Nope. That is your kid, not mine. And you did this as a sin against me. That's how I would feel. Think about you. Think about how you would feel if someone came back and you found out that they had kids that are not yours and you think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, adopt them in. No problem. Yep. Forget about you sinning against me. I'm just going to make them my own kid. I would I would imagine that would not be your response. And I know for sure if it is, it's not my response. I'm sorry. Not going to the kids' soccer games. That's just me, okay? I'm not going to tend to this kid because it's not mine. And it was outside of our marriage. How can I just, like, open up my door to this kid not mine out of my unfaithful husband? It Like, as a, as a response to my unfaithful husband. No, not I, said the cat. Not I, said the chicken. Not I, said Yana. Not me, okay? 
And so when I think about that in the context of Hosea, sure, on the surface, it may seem harsh, but I get it. God's like, Israel, you are giving birth to things that I did not give you to give birth to. Like, where is that kid that you just birthed is not my kid? Whose is it? Like, who's the who's the father? Who's the daddy? Okay, This is so ratchet. And God is calling it out. He's like, that. no, I'm not going to show love. In heavy emphasis, it says, God says, I will not show love to the people of Israel. Because he's like, how can I show love to a kid that's just not mine? I did not give birth to this kid. I'm not going to call this kid my people, my kid, because it's not. Like, I'm not the father, you know? And the reason why I'm taking a moment to pause here, because when I studied this for myself in my own life, like as I was studying this, I really did grieve the many things that I gave birth to metaphorically outside of my relationship with God. Like as a follower of Jesus, as you know, he's Lord of my life. He's my savior, my friend. There are some things that I I gave birth to. I made decisions, said yes to things that he did not give me to say yes to. Like in our relationship, I went on my own by myself and might have chosen to something that he just didn't give birth to or like he didn't put in me to give birth to. And so now I have all of these things running around and God's like, I never even wanted you to have that in your life. Like I never wanted you to give birth to that. And the reason why I am pausing to say this, number one, because I had to pause in my own study. But I also want to take time and give you some time for today's To Be Heard Tuesday to really pause and think about the ways that you were kind of out here like a prostitute in your relationship with God. And it's all a metaphor. It's all an, an illustration. So don't get crazy thinking I'm saying God's husband and, you know, it's a picture. It really is. But just pause and be honest with yourself. Like, what have you said yes to? What have you committed to that God never ordained? He never wanted you to go outside of your relationship with him and like kick it with a bunch of gods, metaphorically, kick it with a bunch of people and things and places, whatever the case, whatever is your little G God, whatever the idol is in your life. Maybe you got married to something that wasn't God and you were, you know, when you say yes to Jesus, you're in relationship with him, but maybe you've gotten into relationships that he didn't ordain relationships outside of your relationship with him that um, caused you to give birth to things that aren't of him, that didn't come from God. Like, just think about that. Because when I thought about the things that I gave birth to that God did not give me to like birth, right? When I think, when I thought about that, I told God and we did this whole thing because I'm cheesy and God loves my cheesiness. So like, if you got a problem with it, then sorry, not sorry. But in my cheesiness, I had a whole like divorce ceremony with God and I signed that mug. Like I I got, I looked, I literally, this is not a joke and I'm so cheesy and that's just how I am. I literally Googled like actual divorce papers and I'm like, God, I am divorcing all of these things I'm married to outside of you. Like I'm saying no to this idol. I'm saying no to this thing. I want you, I want to serve you wholeheartedly. That wholehearted devotion, God, like I want you to be my only husband. I want you to be my only God, my only person, my only love. And I don't want to say yes to another God. I don't want to say yes to another love, like just you. So I did this whole like divorce thing with God and I'm like, I'm saying no to that. I'm divorcing that. And maybe you have to do that too. Maybe there are some divorce papers that you have to sign in your life because I can guarantee you guys like it's worth it, number one, but also, and this is what I had to deal with with the Lord, but divorces, as a lot of us know, are very messy So it might be hard to give up and say no to some things in your heart. And again, it's all a metaphor. So I'm not talking about actual like friends or relationships or marriages or anything like, but like, what have you said yes to that is outside of your relationship with God that you know you should not be saying yes to? You you might, you may love it. You may have fallen in love with it. You might, might've had a baby with the doggone thing, but you have to divorce it and you have to decide, you know what? I'm taking back what's mine. I'm going back to my husband, going back to my king, my lord, my savior. I'm going back and I'm saying, no, I'm divorcing you. I had to do it too. And I'm sure there's still some areas where I still have to divorce. Like, believe me, believe you me, I'm aware. I'm more than aware of all the things. I'm not saying I hit a place of perfection yet, but by God, I know for sure there were some things I needed to divorce and it was messy and it was so hard, so painful, but I had to divorce it. And, um, 
It was a God that an idol that God didn't even want me to have. And I chose into it, had a bunch of babies with it. And now it's like, okay, like I need to divorce it. I got to take back what's mine. I'm going back to a wholehearted devotion to my Lord and Savior. And maybe you have to do that too. But for those of you listening to today's episode, and you might be so ashamed, you might feel so embarrassed because you thought about it and you already know that thing you have to divorce. You already know that thing that you have to let go of. You already know. I know for a fact when I studied this, I knew immediately, like, this has to go. This can't stay. I can't. Like, it's going to be so hard. I love this thing. I don't want to let it go still. But God, like, this thing is holding me back. And you never ordained all these little babies I made with this particular idol that I had in my life. Metaphorically, again, all an illustration. But as I'm um, thinking about this, I knew for sure, like I knew what mine was right off the bat and maybe you know it too. And maybe you're at already at that place of shame, guilt, condemnation, and you feel like, oh my gosh, what is God going to do with me? I have all these children that aren't his, metaphorically, all these things that I said yes to, decisions I've made, and I feel like, I feel like I'm stuck. Like what, can God still love me? Can God still use this for good? Listen, let me read the remaining verses of chapter one and a little bit of chapter two, Hosea chapter two. I want to read this to y'all. This gave me so much hope. It still makes me cry. And again, I just pray this blesses you for the person who is well aware of all of the many um, marriages that they ha- have had outside of God, the many things that they've given birth to outside of their relationship with God. If you're discouraged about it all, if you feel like God can't use them, that like God is like done with you, he's done with your kids, all the things. Let me read to you uh, the remaining verses of chapter one, starting in verse 10. It says, Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like sands of of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel. When God will again plant his people in his land. And this is going into Hosea chapter 2 verse 1. It says, In that day you will call your brothers Ami, which means my people. And you will call your sisters Rama, which means the ones I love. In other words, you guys, Romans 8.28 says, God uses all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So all the little babies, metaphoric babies (laughs) that you made outside of your relationship with God, decisions you made, people you said yes to, opportunities you said yes to, whatever the case, whatever you said yes to, if you're like, oh my God, God can't use it. I'm doomed. Like God hates me. Not my people, not loved. God's like, hey, the things that you gave birth to, the things that metaphorically aren't mine, they are not my kids, they're not my people. I'm actually going to call them my people. I'm actually going to rename them and call them the ones I love. I'm going to rename them and call them my people. And the sign of that, because again, it's not like Hosea, the prophet, never had um, a baby with Gomer, the prostitute. They did. And you remember that child's name? The child's name was Jezreel. And that name means God plants. And we just read in Hosea 1 verse 11 It says that the people of Judah and Israel will unite together and they will choose one leader for themselves and they will return from exile together. It says what a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in his land. So God's like, hey, I planted something in you, in our relationship together. Like I gave you something so cool and so unique and it's going to be just, it's going to be justice. It's going to be love. It's going to be good. It's going to be beautiful. And I can again plant that thing in you. Yeah, yeah, you did make decisions that I did not want you to make. You did say yes to some marriage beds that you shouldn't have made, you know, outside of our relationship. You gave birth to things that weren't mine, but I'm going to call them loved. I'm going to call them people. And I'm again going to plant something in you that's going to be beautiful and it's going to be ours. And it's going to be a sign of our love for each other. Your your wholehearted devotion to me and my whole heart for you is going to be beautiful. And I I do want to make mention of, um, you know, when it says to choose one leader for themselves. I love that one leader because I imagine that to be Jesus, (laughs) you know, like he's the one God I'm saying yes to. He's the one leader who's going to lead my life. I'm saying no to everything else, divorcing everything else. And the one leader is going to be the one to guide me and um, provide for me, care for me, protect me. The one leader. 
And I imagine that to be Jesus because that's how Jezreel happens. That's how he's going to plant something in me that is going to be, it's going to change the world. Guys, I believe that for me and I so much so, even more so you guys, I believe it for you listening. I know you feel like you blew it. I know you feel like, oh my gosh, I made such a mess. I'm there right now. (laughs) Like I get it. You feel like you made such a huge mess. God can't use you. The book of Hosea, just the first chapter of Hosea, my God, we didn't even get to other, you know, verses, which I'm happy to go there with y'all, maybe in a blog post. But the hope of Hosea is that everything that we did outside of our relationship with God, God can still use. We see that in Romans 8, 28, but we see it here too. God's like, there is a, a day coming, you know, and we know for us the day has already come because of Jesus. God uses every child that wasn't his, everything, every idea, every thought, every decision that didn't come from God. He can use that. He really, really can. (laughs) And I thank God for that. I thank God for that because as I was saying earlier, just as much as I believe it for me, that God planted something in me to bring out into the world so that his glory can just fill the earth, fill the world that my corner of the world, that I would just have influence. I believe it for me and I so, so much believe it for you too. God has planted something in each of you, regardless of the bad decisions you made. Forget about all that. Like God still has something in you and he wants to, again, plant something in you. That's going to be a direct result of how much you love him. And and most importantly though, how much he loves you. It's a relationship, whole hearts, wholehearted devotion to him. And we receive his whole heart in return. In fact, we already have his whole heart. And because we do, our response should be wholehearted devotion right back to him. Just loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's still possible. Don't be discouraged by the things that you said yes to outside of your relationship with him. I've had my fair share of yeses that weren't ordained by God. And yeah, it's painful to divorce them in the end, but it's so beautiful. God turns everything around for good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I just want to give you all that hope. I want to encourage you with that. Um, yeah, you're going to have to divorce. That's the challenge. But The encouraging part is that God's going to take all the things that you gave birth to outside of him and he's going to call them his kids now. It literally says that the place where they were called not my people, God's going to call them children of God. So God is adopting all of you. He's adopting the decisions you made, the choices you made outside of him. He's adopting all of you into his perfect plan. And he will, again, plant something in you that's going to be beautiful. And when you give birth to that thing, it's going to bring so much glory to God. And it's going to be a direct image of y'all's relationship of how much uh, God loves you and how much you love him. That's the beauty of all of this. And so that really blessed me and encouraged me. And again, you guys, I pray that it blessed and encouraged you too. I know this was a completely different kind of episode, but I truly believe it needed to be heard and I needed to hear it. Maybe you needed to hear it too. If you, if so, if you needed to hear that, please let me know in the reviews. I love to hear y'all's feedback. I get a lot of your feedback through DMs and comments and things like that, but no reviews. So I would love if you let me know in the reviews how much this episode or any To Be Heard Tuesday has blessed you. Um, rate the episode, leave a review, follow and subscribe on whatever listening platform you are tuned in on. Be sure to sign up to become a member over on my website at Ayana simone.com i'd love to let you know before anyone else what's coming to both the podcast and the website um but i'm seriously so thankful for you guys this has been a really cool season i feel like i've grown so much this first season and as we come to an end i don't want it to be her tuesday to pass without saying thank you thank you for listening thank you for encouraging me thank you for blessing me with um just your feedback and your encouragement it means the world and i just appreciate y'all so much um but the story isn't over yet season isn't over yet i'm gonna be back next week for a brand new To Be Her Tuesday right here on To Be Her Podcast. 